What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Slam Dunk Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Jensen, alongside Kellen Voss and Joe Belansky. Guys, welcome back. Welcome, yo, welcome yo. to be here. Yeah, absolutely. First day of winter, you could First say. First day of winter. Yeah, we, for, yeah, we got snow on the ground. Yeah. Jeez, oh, Pete, you hate seeing it. It comes it comes earlier every single year, it seems like. It's Global just, warming, man. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. And, uh, yeah, so... You know, weather is getting bad. Football season. You know, we saw a lot of a lot of rough weather games these past few weeks. Um, luckily for our Detroit Lions, they're in a dome. We're right Kellen in the thick Voss, of it. Kellen Voss got to go into the dome this week and watch the Lions beat the Giants in Ford Field. And uh, yeah, talk talk to us about your experience. Yeah, well, I Ford actually Field. got an exclusive press pass to cover the game for the Slam Dunk Hey-o. Show, so that was pretty sweet. Uh, just kidding. My my family always buys tickets to a Lions game every year <laughs> that we feel like we can win. Uh, and yeah, it was a fun game to watch. You know, Stafford missed a couple of throws early, but he was perfect for almost the rest of the game. The long Marvin Hall touchdown was pretty um, was pretty sweet. Marvin um, Hall is just just real quick. I mean, he is just somebody you can just throw out there, tell him run a straight line, and he's just going to beat that corner. I it, love it. it. I love it. It's so great to have a guy like that on your team you can just have out there. Yeah, for sure. And then um, I would say I witnessed on Sunday the second loudest I've ever heard Ford Field beat when the throwback pass happened. That was probably the second loudest I've ever heard Ford Field in terms of my experiences going there. The first being, I was there for the game when Stafford got hurt on the last throw against the Browns, and they had pass interference oh, in the end wow. zone and okay. the touchdown to Pettigrew. That was pretty by cool far moments. the loudest. But pretty Kenny, cool moments. But Kenny Galladay catching that pass back, I mean, that was that was pretty. That was that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. It was it was cool to watch. Um, Great game to play. Uh, the Lions actually held Saquon Barkley to like 64 yards rushing, which is kind of surprising because it felt like he was all over the place because they he had a lot of throws out of the backfield in terms of yeah. I think he had like had, like his yards were his total yards were split 50 50 for uh, passing and ru- or receiving mm-hmm. and rushing and so yeah they they uh, they held him pretty well especially up the middle yeah. they were able to really ho- hold him well up the middle he got a lot of his yards when he when he didn't have much up the middle and he was able his to longest. Bounce it. Was thirteen yards. Yeah, like, that's really to, good. Yeah, yeah, and being able to bounce it outside. I mean, he broke some tackles, which, I mean, you're it's gonna, gonna you're gonna complain about it, but he's the, one of the best, one of the strongest running backs in the league. Those are the types of things that happen, really every game. And he hasn't played much this year, so I mean, he's pretty rested up, coming off of an injury, and so. Coming in here, only allowing 65 rushing yards, you know, you can't complain about that. I think we're finally seeing this D-line in Detroit starting to come to form because Trey Flowers had a great game, had two sacks at at key moments, four total tackles. Deshaun Hand was beating his man every play, was in on almost every run stop but only recorded four tackles. Damon Harrison is looking better. You know, Mike Daniels is looking like, right now, it's looking like he's projected to play Sunday against Oakland. And so that Lions defensive line might finally be getting to, to the form that we thought that they were at. Yeah, those first couple those first couple drives, man, they were just constantly putting pressure on Daniel Jones. Jared Davis got the strip sack, or not the strip sack. De- Devin Kennard. Devin Kennard got the strip sack. Well, Kennard got the fumble. Oh, I think yeah, Davis yeah. hit him. Davis, Davis was hit the him. one who hit him. Yeah. And Davis Kennard. ran in a straight line, which is the best yeah. thing that Davis can do is running in a straight line. Yeah, he's great. Not at, complicated he, at all. He's great at getting to the quarterback just doing that. I mean, he bull rushed. He ran over Saquon a couple times yeah. getting to the quarterback. And it was just kind of weird. You know, after that second drive, they got up 14 nothing. And they just kind of went in prevent mode again. Pretty they, much, they went back. They went back to their old ways of just okay. We're not going to give up any big plays. We're not going to let. We're not going to let them kill us. We're going to let them just grind out a bunch of clock. Yeah. And you know, you, you see your defense do what they did those first two drives, and I feel like just keep pushing it at them. Absolutely. Get, get up twenty one, twenty eight, nothing. Show this team 
what it's like to have a big yeah. lead and have them learn how to play with that big lead. You just got you got to get them into the into the kind of a groove yeah. of doing those types of things. And I think taking the foot off the pedal like they did uh, defensively and then offensively at the end of the game, those last two drives mm-hmm. weren't what you want. Stafford slipping a couple times, the the running backs not being able to get past the line of scrimmage, and so those are some places they need to they need to clean some things up as or so clean some things up at. But other than that, I thought the Lions looked really good. I know it's the Giants, so absolutely, yeah. You can't it's take hard, a ton it's a from hard it. gauge for how like how good the season's going to be. But a win's a win. Yeah, a win's in the a National win. Football League. Put up thirty-one points. I think it's time to start having the Matthew Stafford for MVP conversation. Because if the Lions can make a push here and make the playoffs, he's statistically having the best career, his, his, his best year. In terms of his completion percentage, his passer rating, his QBR, he's currently in the top five in all of those. He's tied for second in terms of passing touchdowns. Like, If the Lions can make a push and be that hot team going into the playoffs, it's not crazy to say, to say that Stafford gets on the MVP ballot. No, I don't think it's crazy. They just they do need to make a push, and I think you absolutely need to win to the division if you're gonna if you're gonna have some sort of MVP conversation. I don't or consideration, I guess. Uh, I don't think just squeaking in as a as a wild card at like the five or six seed can really garner enough uh, uh, yeah, talk so. about about the team no, to really yeah. to really get that MVP. But the way he's playing is great. He's single handedly carrying this offense for the most part. Uh, he had he's that really benefiting from Daryl Bavell's uh, offensive airing yeah. out the ball and everything. You know, credit to um, Jim Bob Cooter and his and his little dump down <laughs> passes with Theo Reddick. We're gonna love. We're gonna remember those days fondly. Yes. But the deep balls, the deep balls that Stafford can throw. We kind of forgot that he was as good of a deep ball thrower that he was yeah. because he was he was trained to throw the deep ball with Calvin all those times and just expecting Calvin to get it. But now he's precisely putting it in the breadbasket of these receivers, and it's great to see. Yeah, and especially with all the weapons they have. You know, you got Mar- Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay. You mentioned Marvin Hall Jr. Yeah. Amendola had, I think, eight or nine. Catches. Amendola had a hundred yards in that he, game. It didn't even seem like it. He no, just, and did just little, just little crossing routes. But he's a perfect guy to have because when your offense starts to sputter a little bit, he's a guy that you just you put in the slot. He can get open for yeah. those six, seven yard catches yeah. or, or more. Get get you some first downs, mm-hmm. and that that's what you need when yeah. when your offense just sort of gets stagnant. You need some. You need sort of a safety net to go to yeah. in those situations. And that that was theoretic a couple years back mm-hmm. for Matt Stafford, and now we have Amendola. Now it's Amendola. In there. And he's he's thriving in that position. Hawkinson caught a couple balls on. He looked good on Sunday. Uh, Marvin Hall is good for one deep ball a game, and it seems like he's caught it every game at this point. Yeah. And actually, a stat for you guys here: Galladay and Marvin Jones are actually in the top three in the league in contested catches. <laughs> they actually are second and third in the league in contested catches. So it shows too. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Galladay, I mean, he also had a catch at the goal line. That was uh, inc- that was inc- that was an incredible catch. The fact I that, that no he, idea caught he caught that one. It. I mean, Marvin Jones. We can go back a couple weeks ago. Some of the catches that he had yeah. to make against Minnesota. Watching the field. The window was so small; it looked like it was gonna be a pit because it looked because because Stafford short armed that one in the beginning to Marvin yeah. Jones for the interception, and I was worried. I was like, "Oh no, he short armed it again!" But he just put the perfect touch on it, and he is he is balling out. And Kenny has solidified himself as a number one receiver in the league, and, and a good one at that. Absolutely, they have a t- they have a pretty tough test, I would say, here with Oakland. You have to travel out to uh, out to L or Oakland, I guess. Still, and before they go to Las Vegas, right. you have to travel out to Oakland and, and face the Raiders, who have had some solid wins this year, beating the Bears in London as we as we re- most recently seen there on a two game losing streak. Sends, I think they're sitting at three and four right now. Yes, uh, but guys like Josh Jacobs and uh, and I think Darren Waller's his name tight yes. end. Yes, yeah, those are two tough. Uh, uh, two tough guys to to match up with, especially uh, in the backfield with Jacobs. He's one of the better 
running backs in the league. Yeah. Uh, Rookie out of Alabama, mm-hmm. he's just—he seems like a guy who can just who, who just gets you yards. I haven't watched too much of the game, but or too much of their games, but everything you you hear about Jacobs and all the highlights, he's just a grinder in the four backfield. yard carries, yeah. five yard carries, all that. Mm-hmm. I do like the Lions from a sense though that uh, the Raiders' starting safety actually went down in their last game. Uh, starting center, sorry, starting center Rodney Hudson went down their last game, and then Trent Brown and Gabe Jackson, two other starting uh, offensive linemen for them, were on the injury report last week. So you know if they're not at full strength, and Josh and we saw this run defense was was formidable against the Giants on Sunday. Josh against Jacobs, Saquon is, Barkley, Josh one Jacobs of the best. is certainly yeah. good. He's not Saquon Barkley. No. Um, that and Derek Carr's gonna be getting pressure all day too, and you know. He's been solid all year. He's actually towards mm-hmm. the top of the league in terms of completion percentage. He's he's right up there with Kirk. I guess. It's it's him and Kirk Cousins. So it's like I, how how weird is that stat yeah. to say? Kirk but, Cousins and Derek Carr are the best. Yeah, I, I could have a year. high completion percentage too if I just throw two yard passes. Yeah, but at the same time, like putting pressure on Derek Carr and getting Trey Flowers and Deshaun Hand after him and everything is going to help the Lions secondary yeah. and everything. And I, I I I like the Lions in that game. The I, line right now is Lions plus two. I hammer that home. Yeah, all I, day long. I like. I do like the Lions heading out to Oakland. I think they can get a win out in Oakland. You know, really offensively for Derek Carr, Waller's his only true option. You have Tyrell Williams, but he's not a true number one wide receiver. I wouldn't say in the NFL. And so, you know, they thought they were going to have Antonio Brown, and this team would look. This offense would really look a lot better if they were if if they actually had a, a number one receiver hey, with, all, with all with all the weapons. With all the weapons. Sorry, I forgot about Hunter Renfro. I am but, their, their number one receiver though has been Darren Waller. He's been yeah. one of the most productive tight ends in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Almost has 500 yards already. Uh, he's he, he's the rarity where he was a fantasy breakout candidate that actually broke out. In the pre, because preseason he got a lot yeah. of hype and everything. But um, I was just doing some research about this before class, and Darren Waller, uh, he's he's one of the better tight ends in the league this year. But the Lions have actually done pretty well against elite tight ends this year. You know, they held Zach Ertz to sixty four yards. Yeah. They held Travis Kelsey to eighty five yards, and they held last week they held Evan Ingram, arguably the fastest tight end in the NFL, to forty yards, and none of those guys reached the end zone. And that's and now that's granted, need. granted, that's mostly because they've been facing one on one with Tracy. Walker and his status is up in the air, so that makes me nervous. But I'm not nervous about the Lions facing another elite tight end. No, with if Walker is out, you do have to hope you can trust uh, guys like Jared Davis and Jelani Tavai in in coverage or or Will Harris, something yeah. like that. And that that's going to be the biggest concern. Other than that, though, I the weapons outside for for Oakland aren't very great. They're miss they're still missing that pass rusher on defense that it's so hard to find. And so <laughs> to hear Whiteheads, they're strong. They're starting yeah. strong side linebacker. How, that's that. I, I'm not Ghost afraid of, of that. I'm not of afraid Lions of that defense. Pass. Yeah, Ghost exactly. Of pass. Yeah. So g- going into this game, it seems like a very winnable game out in Oakland. Tough to play on that field, the of baseball course. Field. Playing on a baseball <laughs> field, so that's obviously going to be going to be tough. We got a we got a later afternoon game uh, for us Lions fans, and so it's going to be a good one. You hope to get this one as well to to keep your playoff hopes alive because another team in the division that uh, is in in uh, jeopardy of losing some playoff hopes this weekend is the Chicago Bears facing Philadelphia. Yep. Are they heading to Philadelphia? It's in Philly, so yep. it's in Philly. Hostile environment. Chicago loses that game. Drops them to th- would that drop them to three and five? Drop them to three and five because yep. they lost against the Chargers this past week. Yeah, losing to Thanks. the Chargers. You're welcome. Eddie Pinero, You're welcome. Eddie Pinero is now officially a Chicago Bear kicker. He missed two on Sunday. 
Joe, unfortunately, was not able to watch the game. Or fortunately, I don't know how you would really want to yeah, look at it. It's, it's he a was bummed. Both. He was bummed all day that he couldn't watch it. I and was because they were on Fox and the stupid lines were on oh, Fox. Oh God, who would, I'm in Michigan, who would think so the lines would be on Fox in Michigan? Yeah, and then the internet made it difficult to to try to find a. Illegitimate stream, but yeah, the, the defense—the defense for Chicago—they stepped up again. I mean, only allowing seventeen yeah, points, I'm, but once again, the offense just—it's just not enough. Yeah, I mean, t- Nagy—they—they they ran the ball. They for sure did that. You know, Montgomery had over a hundred yards, yards on yeah. like twenty-something carries. By the way, my Montgomery trade got vetoed Ooh. in my because he said he for he accidentally accepted the trade. Yeah. It's yeah, a, that's the oh, third bogus. time. That's the third time in my, in my years in this league that that's happened to me. That someone <laughs> accidentally hit accept. Like, come on, dude. It was Tyler Boyd for yeah, David Montgomery, but yeah, we don't, no, no need to digress. Someone was gonna give you Tyler Boyd for David no, Montgomery. No, I was, was I needed oh. a running back, and so I was giving up Tyler Boyd. for I was David gonna Montgomery. say that's a that's a great deal for you. Yeah, Jeez. and I just needed a running back, so I was yeah. like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, so, so I mean, it seems like Montgomery's now gonna be their number one. We're not seeing this sort of. Dynamic plays that we were supposed to see, kind of curated for Tariq Cohen out of the backfield. We're yeah, not, not really seeing those. We're not seeing a ton of utilization for Cordero Patterson. Uh, it's really they've only kind of used him for like jet sweeps and obviously you know special teams. But you know Nagy was supposed to figure these things out. So you know whether whether you want to start. I, I think the blame needs to be backed off of Mitch for a little bit, and the blame needs to really start going on Nagy. Because this guy was supposed to be this offensive genius. Yes, I understand. Last year, no one would have expected for them to have a season that they did under a first-year coach, mm-hmm. right? You go 12-4, and four, you win the division, you make the playoffs. No one would have expected that, right? So maybe there's unrealistic expectations set from the beginning of this season. Right. But if this guy is this offensive genius, how come the one part of our team that hasn't been – Consistent since he's been there is the offense. Absolutely. Right? And so like, well, like I, I'm like, again, I'm past blaming Mitch. It, right, right now, it is what it is. I don't think it's too late for him to be fixed. But again, at this point, he's gonna be what he's gonna be yeah. until that contract is up. They're I've, they're by, they're jammed up. And uh-huh. then when you you have a sputtering offense and your defense is out there for 40, 50 minutes a game, your offense is making your defense worse because they're just getting tired out because they're out on the they're they're out on the field all game. And Absolutely. you're not gonna be able to stop people. So I think yeah, I don't know. I, I think spending a lot of time with you has gotten me a lot of faith in Mitch. And I I, <laughs> I went back and watched highlights of that final Bears drive, and he looked decent. And you know, he wasn't scared of making throws in the pocket, and he had that nice little scramble with the legs that's, and that's a, the yeah. one thing and that's the one thing that like is praised about Mitch is his athleticism but yet they want him to be a pocket passer like that's the one thing we're not seeing really this year that we saw at times last year where there's plays for him to be able to move the ball he's like a discount Lamar Jackson in that regard yes. where he's mobile and that's kind of his strength so why not utilize it Abs- yes yeah. sometimes he gets big eyes and overthrows on on you know deep balls or something like that if a wide receiver is open that's going to happen from time to time you're going to miss a guy who's wide open no no fault there but uh, you know another stem of this too though is the offensive line has been horrible and that, that was something that they were supposed to be building, was supposed to mm-hmm. be strong. Obviously, sending Kyle Long on IR doesn't help, even though it seems like he spent most of his career on IR. So, you know, it's kind of hard to tell there. Yeah. So, uh, Would you say that this, um, we were talking about it pre-show a little bit, but Bears-Eagles this weekend, would you say that's a must-win game for the Bears in terms of keeping their playoff hopes alive? 
Yeah, I I don't see how it's not. I mean, if you if you lose this game, like outside of like playoff contention, there's so many other things now that are going to spiral out of control. That it already seems that there's a lack of confidence in this offense. So you lose again. And that's only going to get worse, and you're just not going to be able to recover from that, right? Yeah. So there's a lot more that a loss affects than obviously just playoff position for yeah, this team. Yeah, at that point, a loss would mean you have a – it'd be like a three or four game uh, hill to climb in terms of competing with Green Bay and the Vikings, and you still got to face Detroit twice. you still got to face Minnesota again and Green Bay again. So, yeah, it's it, if the Bears lose this week, it's not looking good for them. But, you know, this Eagles team has been up and down all year long. Uh, the Lions were able to beat them. Mm-hmm. The Eagles uh, won a must-win game last week against the Bills on the road, probably their best win of the season. You know, Carson Wentz has been has, – has been is showing that his MVP season is not a fluke, and uh, you're going to be facing uh, Jordan Howard and Alshon yep. Jeffrey, two former Bears, again with this Eagles team. Uh, but I like we like you said, this Bears defense has been great all season long, and I have no doubt they're going to be great again this Sunday. But again, like that's that's the problem, though, is like this great defense. Like they're going, the the offense is going to make them bad. They're going to just wear them down. So it's like there need there needs to be a balance, right? And couldn't tell you the last time I seen like a balanced game from the Bears, you know, where and the I, offense was able to carry their weight as well. Yeah, like, outside of teams where like you're kind of supposed to do that too, mm-hmm. where we saw the Bears on Monday night beat Washington. Yeah, and, and like put up thirty yeah. plus there, and I think Mitch had like four touchdowns. That's the type of shit you're supposed to do against teams like that. Mm-hmm. Let's see you compete against actual teams, right? And that's where, and that's where things start to sputter. Yeah, and I understand your your displeasure with with Nagy and you know you have this offensive genius coming in and you hope all these things are going to be fixed but at the same time you mentioned you mentioned Mitch's struggles in the offensive line struggles there's only so much in his playbook that he can do and he can run to to put out to put out a good enough product and that's fine when, but when all of those things are going against him and so that's why I mean when you have a quarterback that doesn't necessarily and can't do the types of things in the offense that you want him to do in your offense if he, if he's showing you he can't do those it, it just I think it just complicates things and I know you yeah, want, and I know you want to take some pressure off of off of Mitch but it really all comes down to him because I mean we're not going to blame we're not going to blame McVeigh for the stuff that's going on in LA right now because it's it's golf. It, golf is the one making the mistakes on the field because we've seen what happens when all of the right things are working in a McVeigh offense. It's it's one of the best offenses we've seen. We've seen in a Matt Nagy offense in Kansas City how well that can be ran. And now we have Mitchell Trubisky in this offense and Jared Goff in these offenses. And granted, Jared Goff was in the offense last year, but some things have transpired since then. And so you're seeing these you're seeing these lapses on the offense. And I, I know that the coach is always the one that needs to be at the at the front of all these things and take all the accountability. But when it comes down to it, there's one guy on the field making the plays, or in this case, not making the plays, and that's Mitch. And so I think I would I would just say a lot of the pressure still and blame should still be on Mitch because he needs to make plays. When, when they're as simple as what they are in Chicago right now as far as the playbook goes. And, okay, I, like, I, I could, you know, I can live with that too. But then here's the thing, like, we have all these gadgety-type guys, and Nagy's supposed to know what to do with these guys. So, again, we bring in Cordero Patterson. Obviously, you trade away Jordan Howard because you have Tariq Cohen and then they draft Montgomery, right? We haven't seen any kind of real offensive production out of Cohen, whether that be in the pass or run game. And like I said earlier, Cordero. And and here's the thing, you ready? Ready for this list of offensive people that is on this Bears coaching staff where, again, there it needs to be some liability. Obviously, you have Matt Nagy. 
Nagy, right, who's under the Andy Reid coaching tree. He's supposed to be this offensive guru. Mm-hmm. You have our offensive coordinator, Mark Mark Helfrich, was once head coach once head coach at the University of Oregon. Also, he has Mariota ties. Mind. Supposed to be yeah. offense. Uh, people in the NFC North may remember this: Brad Childress. He's on our coaching staff. He's like got quality the control. Yeah. And in the little balding, so it's like you you hear these names, and it's like, well, what the hell? Like when, like when, like you're starting to run out of time. Like yeah. you can throw these excuses, and you can say with whatever your players, but you look at that coaching staff as Stat Guy Kellen has it pulled up. Those are some formidable names who've been in head coaching and high powered coaching positions before. So he Nagy has plenty of help. So where how 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 does you know Pagano, who's been a head coach, Helfrick, who's been a head coach, Brad Childress, who's been around the game for a billion years, he was a head how, coach. How, exactly. Yeah. How do one of these guys not step in and say, "Hey, hey, Matt, what are you doing, man? Like, how do they not?" There's enough in this building where I don't understand how they can't figure it out internally. It, like from an outside source, you see the roster and you see a coaching staff, and you'd be you're you're kind of amazed when then you see the on the field product that you see. Mm-hmm. It, it shouldn't look like that, and, and the criticism and numbers shouldn't be happening yeah. if these really are these great offensive minded people, right? Like, yeah, you're exactly right, and and I'm not saying there shouldn't be any blame on the coaching staff because obviously if they're not if they're not game planning correctly, there are some things that probably could get changed. But I also don't think it's crazy to say you're at you're sitting at three and five, right? Three and four, three and four right now. I mean, I don't think it's crazy to say that if Mitch is an average quarterback all season long, that you guys are five and two. I don't think that's crazy to say because two of your wins are are by. Or, or three of your wins by or losses by three points or less. Mm-hmm. I think three of them are this weekend. The one in London, and I, I believe there's another one in there. And so I mean, the I mean, London the Chargers loss was Green one Bay. point. Yeah, the, Week one against the Green, Green Bay, Bay was a was a seven point yeah, loss. That was stupid. Yeah, yeah, and that the, there was no offense there, and that was a, a a very below average Mitchell Trubisky. I'm just saying, if Mitch Trubisky is just performing as an average quarterback. You guys, will, I think this is a fine team. You, all the problems are solved if he's average. That that's the only problem I'm having. And I know, and once again, I know where you're coming from with with Nagy not not preparing these guys the way you want them to. But there's only one person on the field that's under center, 100. percent And you time. mentioned all those skill and, players for Chicago: Tariq Cohen, Cordell Patterson, David Montgomery. Nobody can get them if they don't have the ball out in the flat and in the ball to make space. They can't make plays. And yeah. the guy, if the guy getting them the ball can't get them the ball properly, then you have an issue, and you have an issue. Exactly. And when and when you have skill guys like Cohen and Patterson that rely on blockers, that to, which is to, something to, they to don't them, have though too. And exactly. That's part once, of the problem. once again, they don't have block. Like Nagy is working is only working with what he can work with right now. He's only he's only doing as much as he can. I feel like, and so I think that's where a lot of the issues are coming from. It's not the fact that Nagy doesn't Nagy and his coaching staff don't have what it takes to get them ready. I think it's one. Mitch just isn't the guy. I think we're st- we're, we're learning that week in and week out that he just isn't the guy. Two tons of tons of uh, uh, offensive line struggles and and injury injury issues, and so when all that comes into play. It's hard to do anything other than we just got to stick with our game plan and hope that some at some point it's going to work out because we've seen it work out. That's that's where I'm at looking. Yeah, just no, as, and just I mean, as an outsider looking. Sure, at. and and that's fair. And like I said, you're 
whether you want to, you know, continue to wait for development or once the contract is up, you just move on. But there's there's too much committed to it now to turn the page, right? Like we're still going to be in this chapter for another year or two, and we'll see if this works. And then if not, you move on after that. So, but you know, I I just and again, injuries happen. It's a contact sport. Obviously, you know, players leave. You bring new players in. But for the most part, for this team to really sort of continue to be intact, obviously you lose some pieces and add some pieces. But from last year and then to see this year's team, they're like two completely different teams. And there's real, there's no real reason for it. And, again, that's where this game for, for them is big too because, you lo- again, if, you, when you, if they lose to Philly, it goes a lot deeper than just obviously playoff chances, right? Because you obviously already have maybe a Mitch who's kind of questioning himself. That's not going to help. And part of the problem now is too is – is that Nagy's starting to get testy with media, right? And that's not going to work in Chicago. If if they if they already think that people are turning against Nagy and Trubisky, just wait till you keep getting snappy with the media. It's going to get a lot worse. So that kind of makes me start to think that like the wheels are starting to fall off when you have Nagy, who's relatively a normal, level-headed guy, is is starting to get pissy at the media when they ask him a pretty simple question. I think it might also be frustrating for Nagy when he's running when he's trying to run a really simple offense and he's got a quarterback that can't do the right things. And I think that, and that's a possibility so that, too. And, but again, the, like, and so if he's getting, I think the frustration isn't because of the media. I think it's because of what's going on in the field because he knows that he's drawing up the right things to work and they're just not working because of the one factor. If you had if you had a choice to cut ties with one of the two this offseason, you, you could just nothing. You just Mitch or Mitch or Nagy. If you could just cut ties with one of them, who would it be? Probably Mitch. There's your answer. Yeah. But again, I'm still not letting letting Nagy off the hook, right? Like he's on a short lease too. I don't think his lease should be nearly as short as Mitch, Mitch's because just because of the success we've seen. This is only his second year as a head coach. And we've seen as an offensive coordinator what he can do and how his offenses can work. Even last year, the offense looked pretty solid at, at times. That's what, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. Like Again, for for the most part, having the same pieces, that's like two different teams. Mm-hmm. And it's Which, a, offensive line struggles are always are always tough to overcome because and we, we've seen it for a while in Detroit. This is really the first time that the Lions have had a, a strong offensive line, and it's really not one of the better ones in the league. It's just good enough to get the job done. And that, that's a that's a problem when you don't have an offensive line to create things and and protect your guys. That that is always a big problem too. And yeah, absolutely. And like I said, obviously Kyle mm-hmm. Kyle Long has lived on IR, so that's, that a, that's a huge help. piece to miss. And and just penalties too, and then mm-hmm. just sloppiness. So you know, I don't know. We'll big we'll see, big games this week uh, for a couple of teams in the, the North. North. The rest of the NFL it was the trade deadline yesterday. Nothing happened. Nothing too uh, Tlaib got traded to Miami yesterday. Miami also traded Kenyon Drake oh. to Arizona. <laughs> the first ever New York New York trade happened. Oh yeah, with Leonard, Leonard Williams. Williams going to the Giants. That, that was, was really unique. weird. I thought That's that the was first New York yep. New York trade. First really? ever. Yep. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, I you was kind of. You can even fact check me on that. I was, uh, I was that really was, curious when I did see that uh, that the Giants were going to be buyers at the deadline. I know they needed to improve that defense, uh, but when Glazer on the Fox uh, on the Fox pregame show, or no, uh, yeah, on Sunday on the Fox pregame show, he was saying Dallas, or excuse me, the Giants were a a buyer at the deadline, and I weird. thought I thought that was really odd to, to see that. Uh, but well, no, they I had mean, yeah that division though. It, 
it, really any team besides the Redskins can win that division. Honestly, if the Giants would have beat us this week, they're three and four. They're only game out. But if you're New York, <laughs> yeah. though, why are you trying to win that division, though? Right? Like, we've already, like they've already issued in this new era of a young yeah. quarterback. And I don't so you're think, clearly looking to rebuild. So what, I don't why? think bringing in Leonard Williams well, is no. saying we're trying to win. I think it's, that's, it's just another piece. See. That's just another piece you're adding to, well, to. I think that's just for the future. It's for already a pretty good defensive line. They they got to Stafford a couple times on, yeah. on Sunday. They they're a pretty good unit, and to see them have Leonard Williams probably makes them a top ten defensive line in the league. You know, defensively they talk about this team as if it's a joke, and like I have a buddy of mine who's a Giants fan, and he says it's a terrible. De- I I've watched more than just this game of the Giants this year, and I don't I don't think it's necessarily a just a horrendous defense. I mean, I could only name you Jabril Peppers as like the only player on that defense. Yeah, I and name I, you. yeah, I'm not saying that there's a bunch of I a bunch of guys that you know on it, but I don't think it's necessarily yeah. a horrific defense. I, and I'm sure I'm sure the numbers won't uh, back me up on that, but. I just I wasn't I wasn't necessarily impressed by them, but I wasn't uh, I wasn't just uh, yeah say, overlooking say, them. Yeah, I wasn't going to overlook them and say that they weren't they weren't. That it's a good. lot of like overlooked guys. It's a lot of guys that um, necessarily didn't work out in their first location that have kind of worked out here. You know, Alec Ogletree had a lot of tackles <laughs> on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, DeAndre Baker has been decent <laughs> from the left cornerback position. Marcus Golden is their weak side linebacker. Dexter Lawrence got to the quarterback a lot. It's a lot of guys who you wouldn't expect to be. In the success positions that they Wait, are in, like Clemson, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's got yeah, drafted that Lawrence, the sixteenth yeah. mm-hmm. pick or sixteenth pick, sixteenth pick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, rest of the NFL Niners look legit. Yes, the Kellen uh, said on our lost podcast that the Niners were the best uh, team in the NFC, and he is. Uh, it looks like he's proven right. I think by I'm what correct. This, by what, I think I'm correct. Yeah. The Niners look legit. That defense is stout. Nick Bosa Dude, looks like the best player Nick Bosa in the is league. The, 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 what, you the don't best like him? No, he's no, not no, better than no, Mac. No, 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 no. That's the one I shaking my head. I was shaking my head at the ridiculousness that like they literally drafted like a defensive lineman every year for in like the, five in, years. And like five now pick. it's like working though. They're all because top, their defensive what was line. It? it was DeForest Buckner. It was DeForest Buckner, Buckner Eric Armstead, Armstead uh-huh. um, Solomon Thomas. Because, yeah, you got the two... Solomon Thomas doesn't even start for them. You like, have the that's, two how, Oregon, that's how much depth they have on the defensive Jesus. line. Because you have the two Oregon guys yeah. that they drafted, and then Solomon Thomas was out of Sanford. Sanford. Yeah. They have a six-round pick starting at defensive tackle DJ Jones, who's actually been pretty formidable all year long. And <laughs> yeah. that's he's the reason why um, Solomon Thomas hasn't been starting. Because huh. yeah. he was a dog at Stanford. Yeah, and then you D- got Richard D- Sherman on the end. Yeah, they bring him, who's out on the outside. Jimmy Ward is... I've always loved Jimmy Ward. You said they added D. Ford in free agency, right? Yeah. I mean, this is just... There's just a bunch of studs on this defense. There's a and, bunch of guys that can just make plays. And when you look at the offense on paper, it looks like it should be a terrible offense. But we, they get the most out of Tevin Coleman and Matt Breda, who look like they've, they're going to be two they're of fast. the faster running backs in the league. They traded for Emmanuel Sanders yep. last week. He looked he looked decent in, the, in Sunday's game. Uh, and Jimmy Garoppolo is what Joe wishes that Mitch Trubisky was. He's a game manager. He makes smart plays. He's they don't ask him to do enough. He they don't they don't ask him to do they don't ask him to do too much. And he's he's just he's being just good enough to let this Niners team succeed. And and that's why I think that they're gonna they're gonna come out of the NFC. And I think that they have a legitimate chance to win the Super Bowl. They also need to make those uh, one uniforms their permanent uniforms. Oh, the, the, the white black ones? outline. Yeah, yeah, those I like are those. so good. Yeah. That just needs to be their like permanent. They they wore them this week. Yeah, they dominated the Panthers. In yeah, that oh, game. and the Panthers are looking like they could be a playoff team, and Possibly. they just they just put the 
like knock the doors off them. Yeah, they're both. That's both Carolina, a, a pretty solid defensive team, and on the other side, offensively, even with Kyle Allen, have looked really good with Christian McCaffrey and holding them to fourteen points and putting up fifty three on Sunday. I mean, that's just that that's just nutty. You don't yeah. you don't see that very often. And uh, another guy on the offense, George Kittle, yep. he he's turning into. I mean, he already was one of the best tight ends in the league, and he's still he's still one of the best. What's tight surprising ends, just, is like statistically, right he's not even having like that great of a year. It's just their offense is just so efficient, and he gets yeah, put in the right has, spot. I think so he only has times. one touchdown. He only has one touchdown. He's got a he's got. Um, yeah, he's got one touchdown and 462 yards, but like we like Darren Waller has 30 more yards than he does. Yeah. Like he's not he's not producing like the second or third round pick that guys like me spent on him in fantasy drafts, but he's yep. he's he's making all the right plays and he's kind of the star, the the pseudo star of their Dude, offense. Is there got, a, go ahead. I got burnt on Kittle and uh T-Hawk, right? Yeah. Cuz they were both like amazing and mm-hmm. then they just haven't done anything since. So yeah. my tight ends just aren't good. Those mm-hmm. are both your tight ends. Yikes. Yep. Um, Which you would think is good, though. Oh, yeah. You, <laughs> right? Especially after week one. Exactly, with T-Hawk. With T-Hawk. Yeah. Um, is there any team in the NFC right now that could, that really is that could give a big... Uh, to give the 49ers some trouble? Seattle. You think so? Seattle. I, I was going to say the Saints, actually. I think the Saints yeah, are, the I Saints forgot are about legit. The Saints. Especially with Drew, with Drew Brees coming back and everything. Um, they've looked solid all, all year. Uh Michael Thomas is actually on pace to break the receptions record, like by a lot oh, in wow. this year. Yeah, if he continues on the pace he has, he'll break the receptions record by like 14 catches. That was kind of surprising. They're getting their skill, but guys like Alvin Kamara slowly back. That Saints defense has been surprisingly very fearsome, and everything. Uh, so, I would say, yeah, the Saints are probably the best. Saints bet or too. Seattle? Yeah. The Saints, mm-hmm. Seattle's, Seattle's pretty good. Green the, Bay is the number mm-hmm. two seed. I, I just want to bring it. They are. Uh, it's Aaron Rodgers led. That he looked great on Sunday night against. That's the That's fine. Just, just know that just, I'm not going to give him credit ever. No, so. I know, and I just he he looks really good. Yeah. He and Lafleur look like oh. they're they're on the same. <laughs> they look like they're on the same page offensively. Aaron Jones uh, did a lot of work in the passing game, not a lot on the ground on Sunday night, but. Just a lot of a lot of weapons, and they're doing a lot of this without Devontae Adams right now. And once Devontae Adams comes back, that's another big weapon to have on that Green Bay offense. And defensively, they just they, they're that also defense a team. won them a couple games to start mm-hmm. the year. Zadarius Smith at linebacker is really their biggest star. Darnell Savage is already one of yeah. the best rookies in the league. Yeah, and other than that, for a defensive player too, oh, yeah. Savage. Yeah, and yeah. other than that though, I mean they just got a bunch of they just got a bunch of guys out there. It's nothing. Sean Gary. Yeah, it's nothing crazy. He's been underwhelming this year <laughs> well, as a rookie. Yeah, of Ad- course, they got Adrian Amos from the yep. from the Bears, Man. who's been solid. And so yeah, they're they're another team. I'm I'm going to go with Seattle with you as well, Joe. Uh, I'll always, I'll always uh, put my all my chips uh, in the table when when I got Russell Wilson at quarterback. It's hard not to. It's hard not to. He 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 seems like he can just make plays out of anything. He seems like he can he can just lead back any comeback that yep. there is out there. And he's so, a goober, but he's a baller. Yeah, I, I really like Seattle and. Uh, that that's going to be a really good test. I think they play San Francisco here shortly. Well, it's in the division too, uh, though. Yeah, so. yeah, they do play San Francisco in prime time. Uh, hopefully, right? It, uh, it'll probably get moved to prime time. They oh no, that's a Monday night game. Hey, Monday night. Uh, how 
So it's not this Monday, but the next Monday. The next, yeah. So you talk uh, November about 11th. two clunkers that ESPN has had to advertise for Monday night. This week we had Pittsburgh and Miami, which actually turned out kind of okay. I did watch some of that game. I did not. And then this week is like Dallas and like Dallas and New York, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But imagine that's having like a, to like promote that's that in the division. That's like an inner division. That's it's Dallas and New York. It's a rivalry. I that's guess, like but easier. It's, but it's Pittsburgh, still, Miami. My my God, I wanted to throw up when I saw. Well, that. yeah, it was it was so funny all day like hearing all the ESPN like figureheads like promoting this Monday night and they're like how yeah, can you check out this, this. it's going to be a true test for the Seahawks these next couple weeks because um, this week they played Tampa after that it's at San Francisco at Ew. Philadelphia home for Minnesota at the Rams and then at Carolina to, at Carolina home for Arizona home for San Francisco to end the season that's a tough gauntlet of games Really, I think they can run. I think they can run the table. I think they can run the table. It's really, it's really not that crazy. Really, the Niners games are going to be tough. Uh, They need to win, obviously, that one at San Francisco. But other than that, I don't think any of those games are like. I think all those games are winnable. Yeah, like figure if they don't win the one in San Fran, if they can win the one in Seattle. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Um, No, I don't think the season. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's that crazy for what you just said. Yeah, it's going to be tough, but I don't think it's crazy that they. Run, run the table. Especially, you just give that offense more time to click too. Yeah, that that defense is obviously we know what that defense is. It's going to be legit. It's going to hit you in the mouth. So, yeah, it, you know, it, it'll be interesting. And then, and then, and the interesting part there too, though, is that Seattle and San Francisco are in the same division. Absolutely. So that's where things would kind You're of get, get a wild, interesting. One of those wild card teams is yep. going to be one of the best teams in the league, and could potentially. Uh, really, really end some teams' playoff hopes early on. Absolutely. Um, in the AFC, I guess we can just touch on that real quick before we before we it's move on. It's the Pats and everybody else. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's what I wanted to know. Pats. What you guys? What are you guys the, thought? Are I mean, the Browns officially done? Oh, yeah, they're two and five. There's oh, yeah. no way. Oh, yeah. They're there's done. Zero chance. They not only it. are they, they not only are they done, but we should consider. But. Baker Mayfield may not be a legitimate quarterback. Oh, I, w- I was going to say, do we he's, get a one and done see, out of kitchen? See, I know, I don't want to. I think it's for. I think it's Freddie. I do. I think. Do we he's, get a one I think and done? He sucks as a coach. I think he doesn't know what he's doing offensively because the math shows you there are certain sets that they need to be running. Uh, just a uh, two two wide receiver sets that have been that have worked. So much better than the, than the than any three wide receivers that they've used this year. I think like they work forty five or fifty percent of the time more <laughs> than three wide receiver sets, and they uh, the splits are like twenty eighty two wide receiver to three wide receiver on, on the field. And so he's he's clearly not looking at anything to improve this team. Baker looks really good in the in, in certain things. I mean, the RPO game that Baker runs, he he looks phenomenal in that, which we saw him run at Oklahoma, and he was great at. And I'm not saying that's all you need to run, but you need to run more things to fit your quarterback. Like, I mean, you're saying with with uh, with Mitch, how you need to try to do that. While I think there's more things that uh, fit with Baker than do with Mitch. Yeah, probably. But as far as that goes, I just don't think Freddie's. Uh, Freddie's the guy for the job. I think you know Ryan Rosillo always says that there's guys with coordinator face, and Freddie Kitchens is 100% a hundred percent a head coach with coordinator face. I don't think there's anybody that should give him another head coaching job. I think he'd be fine as an OC. He obviously did an okay job last year as an OC, but I mean, they had Greg Williams last year, and he seemed to really do a good job. And so maybe bringing him back 
Well, he might not be a bad idea. Well, but now he's DC with with New York. Well, I mean, he's still he's still looking for a head coach. Yeah, you got you got to assume that I think there's a good chance that New York staff gets blown up because Gase is awful too. Yeah, is it, is a head coach. We've seen that in Miami. Y'all want to guess Baker's touchdown to interception ratio right now? Probably not good. I'm gonna six say to three to two. It's uh, it's actually one to two. So he has six touchdowns and twelve interceptions. Oh, I was really close. I said six fourteen. Dang. Yeah, yeah, you're pretty close. You're right. pretty close. Yeah, that's oh, not so good. Oh, you, you gave the actual number. I gave yeah. like a ratio. That's yeah, I why just, I got confused when you said yours. Six it was a 14. confusing. It was a confusing question. To to be fair, but yeah, it's not if, good. That's not great. And especially with all the weapons they have, you know, they got Kareem Hunt coming back. You were hoping mm-hmm. that that would have made more of an impact this year, but now it's just looking like. I mean, you look at the team. I think they're two and five. You're gonna have to go eight and eight and. Uh, yeah, eight and one with to, to finish the season with Baltimore in that division. Who you're gonna have to play again? Who they already played? Um, who won? Because I don't know if you squeak into Baltimore. The, oh yeah, they did. I forgot they about because that was yeah. So you have to play Baltimore one more time. Who's just only gonna get tougher? And I don't know if you can squeak into the playoffs with a nine and seven record, even with how bad the. You the AFC is. You don't think I, that that couldn't be a wild card? I think KC. Well, I think KC in the West at nine and seven or ten and six. Um, in the South. I think Indianapolis and Houston are both 10-win teams. I think they could both win 10 games. They, uh, looking at this Brown Houston schedule. Houston lost J.J. Watt again, though. Yeah. And Deshaun Watson is getting the snot knocked out of him. Is he going to be able to yeah. be healthy all damn season? Looking at this Brown schedule, it's pretty favorable for them, surprisingly. Um, the Bills, they play the Bills at home in two weeks. That's going to be whoa. tough. But this week, they, they, they're at the Broncos. Broncos are trash. They play the yep. Steelers two more times. Ooh. play the Dolphins. They play the Cardinals. They play the Bengals twice more. Oh, yeah, I forgot it's, the Bengals it, are in that division. We, yeah. <laughs> Just simply, so. <laughs> simply out of how easy their schedule is, I don't think we can count out the Browns. Because they could, yet. they could realistically run the table. Yeah, they, they could really do it. Could. They could do it. They could go eleven. They could win their last nine and go eleven and five and yeah. win the division. Yeah, somehow. absolutely. It's not, it's not out of the question. I mean, I just, I would, I predicted on the on this podcast last year that they would win the North. I actually predicted the Browns and the Lions would both win the North on this podcast, but uh, that doesn't seem to be. No, doesn't seem like that's going to work out that way, but. You would. I, I really would like to see this Browns team succeed, especially with all of the crap they've had to go through as an organization. But it just, it just doesn't seem like you know they're the most penalized team in the league, I believe, mm-hmm. or one of the most at least. And it just doesn't, it just doesn't get fixed. Yeah. And the like I said, the the concerns about Freddie Kitchens as a play caller, and just everything wrapped up. I just, I, I don't see it working out this this season. I think Freddie probably probably gets fired with everything going on because this clearly are, is uh, below any expectations anybody thought of this team. I I feel yeah, like. absolutely. Um, while we're before we wrap up the AFC and hopefully talk about some Detroit basketball, um, I want to say the Colts look pretty good. That throw that Jacoby Brissett had where he dodged Von Miller's he's tackle a baller, dude. and and hit T.Y. Hilton down the sideline. He's a legit quarterback. He's more than a backup. He's, Jacoby he's way more than legit. a backup. You would you no, definitely no. rather have Jacoby Brissett than Mitch Trubisky, no, yeah, that's right? What, no, 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 no. Okay, listen, so listen, then he's no, more than a backup. Yeah, no, no, yeah. listen, that's what I'm saying, though. When Andrew Luck retired and everybody was like freaking out that Jacoby was going to be the guy. No, Jacoby's a baller. I like, he good. can play quarterback. He's good. Had, that defense they, is solid. New England had three starters Okay, and here's here's the thing, too, before before we leave uh, NBA, because I know you want to brush up on some some NBA talk, you want to talk about some su- like suspect stuff. 
turns out don't cross Vic Fangio ever. Because did you see that though? That that Flacco at, at the presser like criticized the offense's like abilities, yeah. and now he's magically out with a neck injury that he didn't have For before. Five to six weeks. Before that, that he didn't have in that game or before that press conference, he's now out with a neck injury. Yeah, that's really Seems weird. a little suspect. Speaking out against the coach, and now he's got an injury. Yeah, sounds like don't cross Vic Fangio. <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that was the case. I yep. thought he just pre. I just, no. I, I just assumed yeah, that his neck he was, was always he hurt. Was, he was. He was. He played and he was healthy at the podium after the game. He kind of questioned some of the team's guts, some of their decision making, going into like a two minute drill, and then after that presser, he had a magic neck injury, and now he's out for like six weeks. Yikes! Seems a little suspect. Seems a little suspect. Took a crowbar to the back of the neck. It looks like something. Yeah, something. Uh, the, the old uh, Vic Fangio, the Italian stallion. <laughs> yes. Yes. He might be familiar with a crowbar. Yeah. Probably. Let's, let's move on to the NBA. First week of the NBA season is uh, j- just wrapped up, and the Pistons are 2-2. Two and two. Detroit hey, basketball. 500, baby, without Blake. They have uh Without won, Blake, without Reggie. They're more, 500. They've won more games this year without Blake Griffin than they did all of last year, and so that is already a great sign. Uh, Andre Drummond and Luke Kennard are the two guys I really want to talk about. They, uh, they've they really taken a, taken a couple of huge leaps this year. Drummond in, in game one uh, d- did everything you could have asked for, 32-23, and 23, uh, three steals and three blocks, I believe, as well. Yeah. Uh, he, he was he was phenomenal. And, the, and, and that was against two pace, two formidable front court, front court opponents in Miles Turner and, and Demonis Sabonis. Yeah, those are two guys that, uh, that they can give you fits on the offensive end. And uh, Miles Turner was uh, from three. Markeith Morris was the primary defender on him. He was out. He he was late a few times getting out of Miles Turner. I think Turner had like. I think he had like 27 in that game. He but was four, the six two wins three, against the Pacers yeah. proved that Andre can dominate inside against Demonis Sabonis. He yeah. fell for every he fell for every pump fake mm-hmm. in all to, in both of those games. And uh, just Luke Kennard as well, 30 point game in the in the opener. Uh, I tweeted out, I can't believe we didn't talk about Andre Drummond and Luke Kennard as uh, as one of the top duos in the league this year. But yeah. Luke, Luke looks Luke looks like a guy that can really run a bench unit and or even run any kind of unit. He doesn't look scared to take any shots. He he seems uh, just in control of his own game, really. Uh, whether it be in the mid-range game, getting to the bucket, he's had a, a few plays uh, here and there in the first four games. That yeah. getting to the bucket, he looks stronger. And it he, helps Luke Skinnard case that he gets to play with Derrick Rose all the yes. time. Derrick Rose is helping. He's. He, I'm, surprised, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you, you didn't want to talk about him because he had the game winner against the. Well, not he's game breaking winner, ankles. I guess the Pacers. He's he breaking struggle. ankles. He played really good in the first three games. This last Pacers game was his. He he did struggle. He's four fourteen. He had he, he's got bad knees. And the one thing that Derek is playing very badly at is uh, taking care of the basketball. I think he has a four to one uh, or turnover to turnover to, to assist, assist ratio ratio okay. or something like that. Like he is he is turning the ball over constantly, and that is the team is in general. So it's not just the Derek Rose no, problem. Yeah. I think like. Uh, um, I think he has turnovers on like thirty percent of his touches or something. Like yeah, that, which is not which is not what you want. No. From, from a point but guard. Indiana's, and so. Indiana's game proved though that Detroit's rotational players are good enough to win them a few games because mm-hmm. you and I were watching that game Monday night and halfway through the first half, Christian Wood was the leading scorer. Yeah, and he still he still ended up being the leading scorer in the game with nineteen points. I love Christian Wood. Christian I've, Wood, I've loved were, yeah. him. I've loved him. On the last episode, can I please can I please sure. say all right? Yeah, um, but. <laughs> 
during the offseason when they signed Christian Wood, I was really pleased with that signing, watching the film I did on him. He, he's a very athletic center who who really has a ton of energy to give on the floor, like a Thon Maker. Uh, he does have some defensive lapses. He does get lost every once in a while. But even in that game against Indiana, he he had some pretty solid defensive plays, I thought. He he stepped in front of a couple defenders. He he defended a TJ Leaf drive really well, I remember. Yeah. And there there were just some things I was seeing offensively. Mm-hmm. He he told Luke Kennard to just get in the corner and he took the ball by himself to the bucket, did a little Euro step and had a had a floater in the middle of the lane for two. There's not a lot of centers and backup centers in the league that can do that. So on, from an offensive standpoint, having a guy like that on your team is really nice to have. And I'd much rather seen, see him get minutes over a guy like Thon Maker. Thon Maker's <laughs> the, probably the one piston that's been struggling all year. He, You can tell, like, uh, there was a sequence in, in the first game of the year last week against the Pacers when he airballed the three-pointer and then didn't get back on defense a couple times and then a couple plays later he made a block and all, and the announcers were like, oh, look at Thon Maker and his defensive presence. It's like just because he makes a couple blocks doesn't make him a He's good like defender. He's like 7'3". I yeah, think you're exactly. going to get a couple blocks exactly. a game. Exactly. He doesn't really have any... He, it doesn't seem like he has a lot of like basketball IQ. No, he doesn't he seem looks, like it's very high. He's he just looks big. lost out He's there. And I don't know about you guys. I, when I was in high school... Uh, that's when his mixtape kind of came out. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I was in love with the well, dude. Well, because he I was just this like freak. Though, he was right? a seven-one playing yeah. point guard who could just who shot the lights out. Yeah, I that was getting mixtape. to the bucket, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god, this guy's amazing!" And now, and then when he was in the draft, I was like, "God, I hope he falls to us at 18. We took Henry Allenson, and really, I guess it doesn't matter because <laughs> Thon's, now. Thon's now on the team, and I would much rather him not be on the team. Just he he just does so much. Stupid stuff on the court. Yeah, he, he he looks really lost out there at times. And like I, when I say that about Christian Wood, with Christian Wood, it's more or less he just doesn't like offensively. It's when he just doesn't know what play they're running, or like he just like lost his guy who cut back. Thon Maker's Thon's like looking around all the time. Like he looks like he has never been. He in a basketball. Like a who yeah, he has like a more like pro experience. Yeah, doesn't he, he? He's been in the league for four years, and he looks like a guy. He 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 looks like if I if you just were like, hey Noah. Go play like five minutes real quick, and just like I'm not, we're not going to tell you anything about like our offense or our defense. You just got to go out there and do. It. I I feel like I could get more done just like staying in my spots and doing the right things because Thon just doesn't look like he knows where he's at. I will give him credit; he does work his ass off on the floor. He's constantly running. It seems like that's true. That's true. But but if it wouldn't have, if it wouldn't have been for the one steal he got on Monday's game, he would have had a ten trillion. <laughs> What's that? What do you? Uh, so uh, trillions is a thing where uh, Mark Titus invented them from the Ringer. Uh-huh. Uh, so if you look at a box score, a box score usually has the minutes first followed by twelve zeros. And so if a guy plays for five minutes and doesn't record a statistic, he got a five trillion. If it wouldn't have been for a steal, Thon Maker would have had a ten trillion. He only in, played ten in, minutes. He only played ten minutes. Good. Well, Andre played thirty eight. Yeah. That's probably how many, that's probably how many part Christian of it. get? Nineteen twenty. Uh, Christian played like twenty one minutes. Okay. So nineteen points in twenty one minutes. I mean yeah, that, he keeps that up. I He's, think I think in the I guess this would be the eighth game he played in with the Pistons. I think that's his third or fourth time, counting preseason games. Yeah. I think that's the third or fourth time he's hit exactly 19 points yeah. in a game. 
And then in, it's not it, in terms of the other role players. I'm liking what I'm seeing. You know, Langston's always going to be a guy that comes off the bench, hits a couple threes. I would have never thought Langston would have been in the conversation for the backup three this year, but just the way he defensively, he's played really solid. Yeah. Uh, he did he did just as good of a job against Bruce or excuse me against Trey Young against the Hawks as Bruce Brown did. And yeah. so having having a guy like Langston who can come out there hit it hit a few threes for you. I mean, there's going to be times where yeah. I mean, last year we had him. He almost set the record for most threes uh, made in a row. And there's going to be times where uh, Langston just goes on those types of streaks. And so it's nice to have a guy like him. I was I was one of the guys clamoring for for a trade this offseason for Langston just because thought there were too many guards uh, that, it, were, that were getting that were good that were yeah. gonna get minutes and I didn't know how we fit in the rotation but the way defensively that there's not too many lapses there when you have like a Derrick Rose Luke Kennard Langston Galloway offense or uh, lineup out there and defensively there's not too much you're not missing too yeah. much then that's not too bad I don't mind that I like I would have thought a guy like Svima Hailuk would have made. I kind of want to see him get those. I would, I would like to. Like. I would like to see it just to see if, like, maybe you can move Langston and another piece uh, for yeah. for somebody better. But exactly, I, I would. I would like to see Svi there. But right now, uh, the way Casey's running his lineups, I think uh, there in the two losses, or at least in the Philly loss, there were some things he could have done differently to maybe change the outcome of that game. But he's used seventy-one lineups this year. Uh, Nicholas Henkel for Pistons Power just wrote yeah. a, wrote an article on that, so he go check good, that. He has good stuff. He yeah, has I, good lo- stuff. I love yeah. following Nick. He's one of the best one of the best Twitter follows as far as Pistons sports goes. He's one of the best guys to follow uh, on Twitter. So yeah, just, just um, a quick plug I think, in. For I think him. Bruce Brown has improved on offense mm-hmm. this year. Uh, it's, he's obviously not completely there, but his he had deep, three threes. He was. Yeah. I mean, you're gonna leave him wide open for those. Yeah. That's it, such a vanilla name, Bruce, Bruce, Brown. Bruce Brown. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's 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 quite a vanilla name, but he he's looking to be. He's a, he's gonna be a solid contributor on this a team. Spicy player, Tony Snell, oh. former Chicago Bull, Shout starting Tony for this. Snell. Why this would you give him team? the? Huh, huh. Why'd you give him that one? What? You could you gave the floor the? Huh, huh. Like he's French. He's French. Tony Snell. That's not French. Snell. Uh, yeah, that's I, don't, I don't know. That's well, not anyway, no, anyway. I thought you did. I thought you did oh, do no. that. That's what it sounded like. I was like, a why, little would, bit, you, a why little would you do that? Tony, <laughs> Tony, I just thought that was weird. Yeah, Tony Snell has been a solid uh, starter, classic three and D guy. I'm, I, <laughs> he, he makes head. a lot more threes than I thought he would. He, uh, he shoots forty percent from three every year. Just, yeah. If you look at his basketball reference, I think he's. Hovered around thirty-nine to forty-one percent from three, like every single year of his career. So yeah. He still got the cornrows. No, no, not anymore. I wish he had those with Chicago, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's, I think he's once just he got a weird-looking dude. I think once he got to Milwaukee, Milwaukee. I think that I think he t- he got rid of the cornrows. Buzz, buzz just cut buzz it. Cut. He loves the Central Division, though. Evidently, loves loves evidently. Well, he got traded to the Pistons, so yeah, it's not like he, he he had a choice. But <laughs> right, uh, right, yeah. Hey, he he gives. I I was I mentioned it to Kellen the other night. I can't. I couldn't believe that. That Milwaukee like couldn't find a place. I mean, he's not great by any means. I never means. hated him. No, like, and he's not. He's not like a. He's, he's not a guy who's gonna just like kill you offensively or defensively. But no. like, he gets the job done on mm-hmm. both ends. And so he I, doesn't I, make mistakes. Like I yeah. haven't like of all the guys out there, he's the one guy that I haven't like gotten mad at mm-hmm. on the court for doing something stupid. That's like, true. Like Luke had a couple turnovers the other night, and I was like, God, Andre always does. Andre, Andre. does some no, stupid he's, stuff. He's but, like, he's a smart. Ba- yeah. his basketball brain is better than his abilities. He takes. Open threes, he guards six seven to six ten dudes, 
And like he, he knows yeah. what to do. He's just not always that great at it. No, but he he's, but he's, he's good at it and he does his job. So that's all I can really. No, I never had a problem him. with yeah. Snell. He's he's uh, more than yeah. serviceable. We can touch on Tim Frazier. He's a third string point guard for a reason. Yeah, kind of sucks. You know, I, I can't thought, wait to get Reggie. That's it, another back generic ass name too. Tim, Tim Frazier. Yeah. You know, watching him with the Pelicans in the in the box is two previous teams. I thought he was pretty solid, and then the fact that he just hasn't. Given us in the minutes that he has just anything. No. It's just, it's kind of surprising. I thought there would have been something there with him. Like, I thought, I really thought that was a great third point guard signing because he could, yeah. he could give you pretty solid minutes uh, 25 times a year. And it just doesn't, it's just, it's just not. No. Just there's not a, there's a reason there was only a million dollars. Yeah. But out there again, th- we haven't seen this whole Pistons team just because Reggie and Blake have been out. And yes, yeah. they're both injury prone. So they're probably going to be out at other points this season. But these role players, this, we had this whole conversation to prove that these role players can step up in place of that. Mm-hmm. We, they've gotten two good wins now against an Indiana team that's probably going to make the playoffs. They face Toronto tonight. I don't think they win that game because it's in Toronto, but I think they play them close. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I think it'll be a, a really good test for them because Toronto's one of the better teams in the East, obviously, and uh, they've got a lot of firepower, whether it be Pascal Siakam, uh, Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, uh, Mark Gasol. I mean, they just have a ton of guys, and Mark's going to give Andre some fits, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Pascal's going to give us some fits uh, on the uh, on the boards. He he's a really good rebounder. He just he just doesn't quit on the boards, just like a guy like Andre Drummond. And so I read an article today for the Ringer saying that Pascal should probably be is likely to win Most Improved Player again. How crazy would that be? Like, cause just because in terms of the leap that he's made, even uh-huh. from last year to this year, just like he's going, he's going back to the basket and shooting corner threes more. Mm-hmm. Um, he's currently averaging like twenty-seven points a game. Like he, like Pascal Siakam, like dark horse MVP, maybe, maybe. It's, maybe? it's in Toronto. It's in Toronto tonight. Yeah, be on the lookout for my guy, super fan, dude. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Super I fan. love oh, yeah. super fan. Be there. You, you can turn it on. It's a be on FSD. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. That's true. Speaking of thirty-three, three. Sorry, that's true. Speaking of super fans, you are a super fan of all Chicago sports teams, including the Chicago Bulls. You want to touch on uh, yeah, their first week the, of basketball yeah, so far? The sweet life of Zach and Cody. The sweet life of punching in a, of punching in a of punching in a time card every time you go into the. Into the, into the yeah, facility. here's the weird. Here's the weird thing though is is it seems like Kobe and Boylan are clicking, which I hate. Obviously, it's good, <laughs> but that means that Boylan is going to be around for the long haul, potentially if if Kobe is supposed to be our, our point guard for the future. But no, they're one and three. Uh, had a heartbreaker in New York the other night playing the That's Knicks. Tough. Yeah, Monday they, night you were like, yeah. "Hey, we're beating the Knicks." I was like, "Well, yeah." And then I got an update. Oh, yeah, they, Bulls lost. I was yeah, like, "Oh, dude, Jesus. dude!" They were literally at the Bobby Portis revenge game, right? Like the Bulls was were he, up. Was he pretty solid? I think he had a decent performance. I didn't look at the actual box score, but I was just real mad when they got rid of BP. But mm-hmm. nonetheless, like they were up all game, and then they just blew it in the fourth. I think their only win this year is against maybe Memphis. Charlotte. Memphis. Oh, Memphis. 110 to 102. Okay, uh, yeah. Tonight so, they play at Cleveland yep. and they actually play Detroit on Friday. We'll probably talk about that game and next here's, week. And that's. that's like, I get that the Bulls are bad, but how. Like, the Cavs are favorited in that game. I According to so. like ESPN's yeah. like a little like well, basketball it's, thing, it's hey, in terms it's, of the actual it's spread, at, it's at Cleveland though. Okay, and but so when it's a toss up, it, when it's it. this early in and it's a toss up between two teams, uh, yeah, probably got they got just as many. They got just as many wins, Joe. You got Grandpa B. They got so that's John cool. John Beeline coaching them. That's uh, what I'm I mean, saying. Yeah, you know, I'm looking just real him. quick just to touch on. Uh, I just I'm just looking at the standings here, and they got the eight teams, and like uh, the eight teams that are in there for the East right now. 
uh, Philly, Miami, Toronto, Milwaukee, Boston, Atlanta, Detroit, and Orlando. I think that could easily be the eight teams that are that in the playoffs. I like, and again, that just makes me nervous of the play- about this Bulls team. The, though, the two teams outside of the playoffs are uh, Brooklyn and Indiana. That could give some. Yeah, yeah. Indiana's zero and three. I could see, the I could see Orlando taking uh, get dropping off. And, yeah, like the like the Bulls could have some like kind of fluky like five hundred season and still be like an eight seed, which I don't want to happen. But the kind of talent is only sort of there. Game, only a half game out of the playoffs. Yeah, like, I mean, and they're only one and three, and, like, no, obviously there's not, still 80, yeah. 80 games uh-huh. left, but, like, they don't look bad. And, obviously, as time goes on, these guys are just going to gel more. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I've seen a more motivated human than Zach Levine. I think he's going to be on a mission. <laughs> no, yeah, I <laughs> really – I No, I, he's, he's on a mission I've to prove a, a ton I'm of a people hu- wrong. Wow, yeah. I'm a, he's going to ball fan, out. I'm a big fan of Zach Levine. I think he is uh, – He's one of the more un- underlooked. He's gonna guys. be playing angry. I don't you know think, what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I don't think people really realize. I know mean, he got a lot of flack for taking a lot of mid range jumpers in the preseason, and because uh, he, he's not good at well, taking mid range jumpers. He's on, though, is, no, is, and it's something he's worked on. He's just not. A, yeah. as far as the efficiency right rating now. goes, he's one of the worst mid range shooters in the league, and so people didn't understand why. But he still puts up points, and when you're when you're a struggling team like the Bulls. You've just got to figure out ways to win. To just, to just try to win ball games and what works in your offense when you're when you don't really know what does work. So when you try out different things, you just got to try to figure it out. And in in terms of too, like with with Zach Levine, is like it almost seems like he's found his defined role. Like he's kind of got that like killer role where it's like if they need a shot in the last second or something like that, like the ball is going to be in his hands. And he can be the guy for that. For no, and I and team. I think yeah. that and I think that helps too when you sort of have clearly defined roles where it's like. Okay, yes, this is a team game, but when it comes to crunch time, we need to know who to look to. And Zach Levine more than well, like would more than welcome that challenge. So yeah, and I think I, again, I don't. He, he's motivated. He's me playing angry. So again, that's my fear is that this Bulls team could get like a fluky like five hundred, be like forty one and forty one, and then somehow make the playoffs. But then that's gonna screw up the whole like rebuild idea because they made the playoffs. They're gonna fall like outside of the lottery and get like a sixteen overall pick. What's the and, difference between the sixteenth pick and like the twelfth pick though? Uh, really? Four spots. Realistic. Four, four spots. spots. Okay. Literally, that's the difference. But, like, in terms of value, like, if you're going to be, like, we were in that, Pistons fans, we know what that purgatory feels like. You might as well get, you might as well get the playoffs, playoff games and get to host at least two playoff games and get that joy of, yeah, that like, get, and get the experience to be in a playoff game. And that's fair. And, like, that's the weird thing. It's like, yeah, and I guess if there's, like, some guy you could try to trade up or something like that, if there's somebody you really want that you don't think is going to be be available where you fall to. Yeah. But, I, you know, I don't, I don't think that, like, there's anything really wrong in keeping this team back for another year or two. Oh yeah, before I think- you start, before you start being like, all right, cool, we're forty-two, we're forty-two and forty, cool, eight seed. Oh, we're you know forty-one and forty-one, cool. Like before yeah. you start getting these lower seeds, I don't have a problem with like another year or two of just plan being bad. Yeah, and no, I, and I-, I, I don't think that Boylan's going to coach that way, and I don't necessarily think all the roster could buy into that. And I think, like, when you kind of do, like, that Philly, like, trust the process, purposefully tank, you need a coach who's willing to coach that way, and you need to have players who are willing to buy into that as well. And I don't think that's where the Bulls are at, so that kind of sucks. But yeah, and it'll be interesting. Yeah, it's just, it, it is really interesting because you, when you have a coach like you do with Boylan, you have to have guys that are going to buy in. But like you said, Kobe seems like he's buying in. 
Zach Levine with the workouts that he was posting on his Instagram all summer. That's what I'm saying. It like, seems like he's a guy that's that's locked in and like isn't worried about the clocking in type of thing. Yeah, no. And uh, you just, just got to hope all of the guys are doing that as we say goodbye to Kellen as he's leaving. Yep. I, gotta no. take off for, I gotta take off for GR for a, a buddy. No, and project I think I think I like. We'll I talk think... to you next week. Uh, I'm gonna guess for that Pistons Bulls game. Pistons 110, Bulls 88. Let's see how let's see how good that prediction goes. All right. I've been pretty good with the predictions Whoa. on this podcast so far. But yeah, you guys take it home with baseball. Uh, follow us on you. social and uh, yeah, huh? one twenty bucks from you. Yeah, that's true. Low ball, low ball in my bulls there, Kellen. I am, I am. But no, like in- I do, I do really like what they have as far as a starting unit because you have, if you look at it, it's as far as for a future. I don't know if Kobe's the starter right now. I'm assuming Sadoransky oh, is. Yeah. But if you go, if so. you go, Kobe White. Zach Levine, Otto Porter, Wendell Carter, Lowry Markin. And I think That's in awesome. time, like, in time, that could really develop into a really good young. Because right now, I don't think anybody on that starting lineup is older than 24. I think Otto and Zach are both 24. I think they're both 24 years old. Maybe Zach's 23. But. That's a really good group of guys to, to build upon, uh, build around. And then when you also have, in a couple years, you'll still have a Thomas Sadoransky coming off the bench. Well, and, and, and other guys like yeah, that. And, and, um, Chandler Hutchinson. Yeah, Chandler Hutchinson's another young guy. Who, that, that you who's, know, who, was, who was hurt as well last year, too, uh-huh. at times. Um, and they, Who the hell? There was another kid this year. Luke Cornett. People really like Luke Cornett. Isn't he on the Bulls? Uh, or is he on yeah. the Knicks? No. He's on the Bulls. I think, but that's not who I'm talking about. Yeah. I can't think. He's a rookie. Blake and Lee was a few years ago this year. I'm not sure. I don't know. I'll look into it. We'll figure that out for you guys later. It's not yes. that pertinent. But, yeah, no. So that's kind of where I'm at with mm-hmm. the Bulls. Um, you know, obviously being out of, out of state, it's tough to watch them, and mm-hmm. I'm just not willing to jump through those hoops. Um, yes. Because oftentimes it leads to my, you know, despair and bad feelings. Hey, when well, they're on ESPN, you'll, you'll throw Well, them yeah, no, if, if, if they're on, on like ESPN, a TNT, TNT or something yeah. like that, like if they get a national mm-hmm. or in an instance where, you know, they're playing the Pistons, so I'll be able to get that. Like, yeah. You know, but I'm Four not. Four times I'm a year. Not, yeah, I'm not going to go out of my way. Wait, yeah. did. I find it hard to believe they only play division foes four times a year. Everybody in the division and everybody in the conference four times a year. All right, I guess that would add to them, like. But see that that's but then why you get, then you get the wonky conference. But I I, I guess see, it just you doesn't matter. That's why East... divisions. That's why like if you go to like the standings app on like for any ESPN yeah. for the NBA, that's the only one that doesn't go to the divisions first. That goes to strictly playoff rankings first. Well, yeah, then, but that's isn't that because not the how divisions it is, don't though, matter because conference it's yeah, just top eight. Yeah, it's just the top eight in the conference go. Like right now, Milwaukee's winning the Central, but they're like the sixth seed. Yeah. So. Uh, other things that we can touch on in the NBA before we have to wrap up. I mean, we're already at like an hour and five minutes. We've talked about a lot. Uh, the Pelicans are really missing Zion Williamson because they gave up. Uh, they lost to the Warriors, who people really thought were going to be just terrible this year after what we saw in the first couple of games. They were down 70-35 at the half well, to mean- Oklahoma City. And just uh, and this was this was a Golden State team against New Orleans coming off of a back-to-back. And uh, New Orleans on a couple days, couple days of rest at home, and so that's that's just not a very good look for 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 a younger team looking to uh, pave their way this this season, especially after that strong start against Toronto. Yeah, and that, I mean that 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 was an interesting game too, and mm-hmm. I'd I'd be curious to see what the projected numbers for that was supposed to be and what they actually were, because like for for like opening night of the NBA per se, you know. How many people didn't tune in because Zion wasn't playing? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that'd be interesting to see that because, like, even, 
you know, when I heard that he, he was going to be out, I was kind of like, huh. Mm-hmm. And I think there might have been, like, baseball going on or something at the time. So, like, I was flipping back and forth. But, like, from an even casualer standpoint, it'd be interesting to see what they thought that was supposed to be it and what it yeah. ended up uh, being it. Yeah, he's really going to be missed not only for, for ratings purposes, but for just on the court for this New Sure, Orleans he's going to seek attention. And yeah, because what we saw in the preseason, how, how dominant he was down low. I mean, when you have all that attention on a guy down low, it really opens a lot up for you on the perimeter. And I've watched some more games. I've, I've probably watched uh, two or three of these Pelicans games this year. And uh, they they do look pretty solid uh, offensively. I mean, that's not something they're going to struggle with. And really defensively, in that Toronto game, I thought they looked pretty solid. Uh, and I think Golden State, they just kind of hit a buzzsaw. And were, it was just a team that was really, uh, you know, they were, they were 0-2 on the season, really got off to slow starts offensively. And I think they just wanted to show what they were made of and really get back onto a better start. I think they just kind of hit, hit Golden State at the wrong time. Moving forward, though, for New Orleans, um, I think when Zion comes back, you know, they're, they weren't looking. I don't think this was a team that really was gung-ho on making the playoffs. Yeah. No. I mean, I, I know don't. J.J. Redick. Uh, yeah, he joked about, he joked about, about it with Zion. But, I mean, I don't think this is something that, like, uh, it was uh, it's playoffs or die no, f- for so. this kind of team. I mean, if they struggle, they'll get another top pick because they still have all their assets. They haven't moved anybody. They can move a guy like Drew Holiday or maybe a J.J. Redick or, or some of these guys for more assets, more younger people, and so more younger players. Yeah, you see what they do at the deadline. Who knows if they're yeah. sellers at that point? Yeah, and so there's, there's always uh, ways for this team to improve. I think uh, just – with the start they're off to and the start that they're going to just keep getting off to with Zion not projected to be back for another at least two months, um, yeah, it's going to be it, it's going to be rough for them, and, the, and this roster could get a little shaken up even though I don't think that's something they wanted to do uh, right away. Um, other than that, in the NBA, I don't think there's too many big storylines going on that we can really touch on. Mike Conley sucks at basketball right now in Utah. It's just weird to see him yeah. not on the Memphis. That's... I, like I understand, he's it was just, time he's to move used on. To the altitude, That's but all like it is. it's it's just weird. Like when you have a guy like that, and then it's like, oh shoot, like he he's not plays for another team. Yeah. Like it's just so weird to not see Conley in, in a Memphis. I mean, he jersey. personified the city and the yeah, organization no, and I, he was a, so well. And yeah, just, he was a fan favorite. And yeah. He was just there for so long. And again, you get it. it it's a business. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, it was time to move on. But it's always weird. Yeah, when you when you see stuff like that, for sure. Uh, last thing we're going to touch on here is the World Series. That's going to wrap up tonight, tonight Wednesday. Wednesday, and October 30th, I yes. guess, if you're because you're listening to this. So when we say tonight, that doesn't actually mean anything to you because you could be listening knows, to maybe it I'll, tomorrow. Maybe I'll get it posted right I know you won't. You're right. I won't do that. I won't do that. But, uh, but yeah. Verlander showed in Game 6 he's still not a good World Series pitcher. Uh, I don't know so much about that. It's, it's, he didn't win. Okay, I understand that. But they were talking about this. like his, his Some of his World Series numbers, Like I, I, I understand that like that's how the game of baseball works. And, and and losses and stuff like that are going to go on to the pitcher, but it doesn't necessarily reflect his about ER, how he pitched. His right? ERA, I'm is, hey, I'm a big Verlander no, no, guy. No, no, he was great in the post. He's and great up until the World Series. No, his in his his World Series ERA, I think, was just like a touch under five. So that's not great either. No, but it's like if you can't really get a ton of run support, which didn't really happen yesterday for him. Two runs. So you, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like I mean, he pitched only, well. Obviously, yeah. he gave up uh, a few home runs. The one to, um, I want to say Juan Soto hit one, and then yeah. 
Um, Adam Eaton, mm-hmm. I believe Verlander was still in the game for that one as well. So yeah, he gave up a couple home runs, uh, and then the doors kind of really blew off. What you know, once he he was taken out. But yeah, it's weird. No home team has won a game this entire series. First first time that's happened in 115 years of baseball World Series. First time it's ever happened in a major sport. Well, all right, that's even better. Period. First time. That's just a headphone. headphone, Yeah, Yeah, that's just a headphone. So I was like, oh, no, a mic. No. Um, Yeah, Yeah, this is so crazy. So, I mean, put all your money. Washington going to win tonight? Put all your money on Washington tonight, I guess. Or or is this the time the home team finally bakes through? Is this the time to go go against the trend with Uh if you you were to want to gamble on? It'd be crazy. I don't know. Mattress Mac is praying that it goes goes his way. You had that um, story of the Uh – he was – the mattress owner or whatever and put a big put a big wager off. on for the for the Astros. But yeah, it's weird. The home team hasn't won a game this series. Obviously with with um Scherzer kind of missing his start in game five. Four. Yeah, five. five. He's he's now able or he's able to pitch now. Now I don't know if it was first certain if he's good to go, but I believe he's he said he's expected going. to pitch. Yeah, so. he said he's going in game seven. So that's so. I mean that's huge for the Nationals. Who's going for Grinky. Houston? Grinky's which which go. is which is tough though because Is Cole available? Uh, I would imagine out of the bullpen, yeah. if shit were to start to hit the fan, because Cole last started in what, game four? So you know he's probably available out of the bullpen if uh, you know if it gets. He might have, he might have went game five. I can't crazy. Remember. I thought it was one and four. Okay, but yeah. I could be wrong. But no, that's the problem. Like a slightly unhealthy Scherzer, I think that that matches up well with Granky, right? Like, but if Scherzer was healthy, obviously I gave that matchup a hundred percent to Washington. Mm-hmm. So in terms of that, you know, we'll see how it goes. Obviously, again, it's going to be the same situation where kind of. Whichever manager is going to have to go to the bullpen first, um, it could really be indicative of how the rest of the game is going to play out. So both teams are going to want to get, you know, the, as much out of their starters as you can. Um, you have the weird interference call yesterday against Trey Turner uh, running down the baseline. So hopefully we won't get anything like that. Um, and then because of that, yesterday Dave Martinez had gotten ejected. So hopefully he's okay because the dude had like a heart procedure for like heart attacks in like. August. Oh, <laughs> and he's out yeah, you here don't blowing be up on tirades. the refs. Yeah, no. So kidding. hopefully, uh-huh. hopefully, Davies all right. Um, a yeah, future Madden disciple or past Madden disciple. Yeah. So I do like Davy Martinez. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so obviously he stays healthy there, and I don't know the the narrative. Like honestly, I, I kind of do think to a certain degree I've been wrong. Evidently, if you know, but I do think that the, that talent will prevail, and, and Houston will be able to kind of do this. But there's also a part of me that's like, I love the narrative of the Nationals finally winning a World Series once Bryce Harper leaves. It's like I, I, that narrative is just gonna. I, I want that to happen. So from that regard, I'm kind of rooting for for Washington. But it's also funny to see miserable Washington fans. So like the two narratives are conflicting or conflicting each other that I'm interested in. So. Either way that it goes, um, I'm gonna you're going to be happy. Yeah. And, you know, as far as the entire World Series goes, it's been uh, it's been really exciting, uh, obviously. A lot of excitement throughout, uh, even just throughout the playoffs. You know, this is really good for baseball. You know, you want a lot of excitement. And this is this is about as exciting as it can get. Every single road team is won. We got a Game 7 in Houston, and uh, it's going to be a blast. You know, uh, 
Maybe we'll see some more uh, bats getting carried down to first base and yep. people getting oh, pissed and off about yeah, that. Yeah, that, that's another thing, too. If that legitimately made you mad, you got to dump in your pants. Yeah, dude. That, that's so stupid. If you're mad that. But again, that's all like the baseball like old heads. I couldn't tell if Verlander was mad at Soto for bringing his bat. Uh, he probably was a little bit like. Okay, like, here's, expect, here's the man? weird thing. I, I can see like an old school kind of like pitcher getting mad about that, but like. Is like a whether it be a member of the media or just a fan or just a fan of baseball. Like if that act made you mad, like he, you gotta reevaluate some yeah. things. If that's making you upset, like who the hell cares? Yeah, you've got some more problems if if that kind of stuff is that's getting what I'm under saying. your like, skin. It, it was funny and like here's a th- like, and I don't know. I didn't bother to listen to Bregman's apology for it because again, I, it's a stupid thing to to have to apologize for. So I'm not even gonna waste my time listening to that. Um, but. I don't know. Was did he maybe just like mistakenly like kind of be like, oh shoot, like I still have the bat with me. Like was that even like intentional? And Do who we know? Who cares? Who cares? Guess what? No, I know. What but, Juan's, like, but what what Juan Soto did is well, exactly <laughs> what you should do. Don't go out and beam Alex Bregman the next at bat. You know what I mean? As far as like, well, yeah, he people, was like people want people want retaliation and people want oh you gotta you gotta hit you gotta hit him the next time. He's up. No. Dumb. No, do what you did if you're Juan Soto. Hit a bomb of your own. Carry the bat for yourself down to first base and yeah, show he's, and show and show up the other team. And so, like that, I, I've never understood the old school baseball. You got the uh, the whole unwritten rules types of things. You can't do anything cool when you hit a home run. But you know, when a closer, or a pitcher makes a strikeout, they can freak out as much as they I want. Mean, luckily, the people with those attitudes are dying. So you know, it's the boomers, baby. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if that one, I don't I don't know if that was too far. Oh no, not at all. No, um, we're we're an anti boomer podcast for sure. Okay. For sure. Without a doubt. <laughs> we're, uh, we're, 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 pro we'll we're pro fun. We're pro fun. We're pro fun here at uh, the Slam Dunk podcast. And that's gonna do it for us here. We're also a uh, a pro interviews show. Pro I know interviews, I know he's yes. not gonna listen to this, but I just feel like I need to give he's Q doing, a shout out. Did he tell you he's doing a sports podcast either today or tomorrow? <laughs> All right, we'll cut, cut it, and we'll we'll talk about this because yeah. no one wants to hear us talking about that. No. That's going to do it for us. Yeah, that's going to do it here for us on the Slam Dunk Podcast. Uh, be sure to follow us on all our socials. Uh, Joe's always tweeting some cool and crazy stuff on there. Uh, you can find the say that. Yeah, you can find you can find the podcast on my channel. Uh, follow Kellen. He uh, he has a lot of stuff with sideline report and clutch points. No, fan sided. I thought fan sided. Yeah. Yeah, fan sighted, excuse me. And the me. Lanthorn, and I and believe the he's doing something with the Sentinel or something like that. Oh, Just yeah. Look Check. at Kellen's stuff. Yeah, he's go a look talented at Ke- guy. He's a very talented guy. Uh, after the whistle, we're gonna, too? I got to go edit the. I got to go edit that right now. So I'm going to go do that and get that posted. And so check that out. And until next week, we'll see you guys. <laughs> a little bonus.